Stand with me today. I'm going to continue in our series, The Roaring Twenties. We've been talking about a decade. God said, I want you to speak into a decade, so I'm talking into a decade. And I just believe that these next 10 years are going to be significant in the history of families. In the history of families. And I want to use as a story, in fact, I'm going to use it for several weeks because it's been talking to me in ways that I can't get away from. A story that's somewhat probably familiar with people in the room. It involves two men. One is a character whose season is coming to an end, and one is a young man whose season is beginning. And it's the journey that they take. And I want you to turn your attention with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. They're going to put the scriptures on the screen. And we'll read together. If you have your Bibles, you can read from your Bible. I'm reading from the New King James, or you can read with me off the screen. Everybody read with me out loud, would you? We're going to read probably a couple of verses, all right? So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphath, who was plowing with 12 oxen before him. And he was the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please tell me, kiss my father. Let me, please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? So Elijah turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh, using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he rose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Wow. Here's what I know. I know that everybody in this room has an appointment that you can't afford to miss. And you have an appointment you can't afford to delay. And it's an appointment with destiny. And it's not an appointment where you just feel like you're being used by God. It's an appointment where God brings you on a journey where all of your wisdom, your experiences, your gifts, your talents so synchronize that you find the sweet spot of your life. And you recognize what you were born for. Everybody desires certain outcomes. But not everybody gets there. I want to talk today for a few minutes about it if I can. I want to teach today on a subject that will come out of an illustration I'm going to give you right after I pray. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name. For the presence of the Holy Spirit, who's the author of the book, to teach us. I ask you to instruct us in the ways of righteousness. I ask you to adjust us, recalibrate us. I ask you to correct us, challenge us. I pray, Lord, that you won't leave anybody alone in this room today. Because I thank God that you're at work in us in supernatural ways we've never imagined. And I believe that today your spirit will cause the word of the Lord to rise up in us and we'll be forever changed. To that end, I make myself available. 
in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. 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 High five three people and tell them don't miss your appointment. Come on, just tell them. When I was um, when I was in high school, I was a an athlete. In fact, I was I played three different uh, sports in high school, lettered in all three of them, and that was uh, that was a hundred pounds ago, <laughs> plus tax. <laughs> but in those days, in my junior and senior year. Because our team had been very successful, in fact, we were undefeated in my junior year, we had all kinds of scouts that constantly came around. Because I lived in the greater Washington, D.C. area, we had several occasions where not only would college D1 scouts come, but there were a few professional scouts that came because they had gone to work under contracts for colleges who were looking for players. And I I remember this week as I was preparing this message, there was a day when we had some pretty phenomenal athletes on on our team. We had some guys that went on to play in the NFL. And there was scouts there, and and my dad was friends with a guy who who had every kind of quality you would need to be a successful football player. And the, the scout for the Washington Redskins was sitting in the bench, uh, sitting in the stands watching. And he looked at the man and he said, is that your son? Because he heard the guy keep sort of cheering him and hollering at him. And he said, is that your son? He said, uh, yes, it is. That is my son. And he said, well, he said, he's, uh, he's quite good. He said, and so the, the father all of a sudden beginning to realize this is a pro scout looking at a high school senior and he began to ask him questions like, uh, how good? Because he began to see dollar signals. How good, how good is he? And the guy said, well, I mean, the guy was very polite to him. He said, well, he's got the size. He's got the technique. He's got the speed. He's, he's probably everything that, that uh, people would be looking for. And, and, and the, the father looked back at him and he said, so, so then do you think my son is going to be a pretty successful player at the next level. And I'll never forget what the scout said. He said, it's too soon to tell. It's too soon to tell. Because there's a lot of people that have all the physical attributes who have all the techniques. But listen to me closely. There is no way that potential can ever be revealed until process is embraced. Potential can never be revealed until process is embraced. My question for you is, what will make this year different than last year? How many of you know 2020 will not be different than 2019 or 2018 or 2017 just because you colored your hair? 
It won't be different because you got a new dress. It won't be different because you bought a new car. It won't even be different because you moved into a new neighborhood. There are a lot of things that people have to understand that just because you turned a calendar does not mean you turned a corner. And I want to submit to people today that there are people in this room who have incredible gifts, incredible talents, who have amazing ideas, amazing thoughts. You have potential for innovation. You have potential for entrepreneurialism. But you will not move into what God has for you if you don't embrace the process of 2020 and what God wants to do in your life. Listen to me closely. You'll have another January, but you won't have a new season. And there's a lot of people that will live Groundhog Day. They'll just keep repeating the same old stuff over and over and over. Is there anybody in the room today that is said in their hearts, I don't want another repeat from last year. I don't want to repeat the last decade. I want to make sure that I do and become what God intended for me to be in this next decade of my life. If that's you, I, want, I wish I could hear from you in the building all over the room. In this story of Elijah and Elisha, there is not a lot of detail that's put in the account in Scripture. And it's not necessarily there on purpose. What we do know is we do know how the relationship started. We saw the the genesis, the beginning, the initiation of it. And we get an ability to see the outcome. At the end of the day, Elisha walks away with a double portion. In fact, history records, Elisha ends up doing twice as many miracles as Elijah did. He did get double. He died having one short of doubling what Elijah had done. But they buried him, and several years later, when somebody died, they threw him in on top of Elisha's bones, and the man they threw in the grave got up. Because how many of you know God will make a liar out of everybody to make sure he tells the truth? He'll use your dead bones if he has to, to accomplish things that you were born for, if he says you're going to live with a double portion. Somebody ought to receive that right now in Jesus' name. And the reason I want to deal with this story is because between meeting each other in a field and the day he received the mantle of a double portion was 10 years. We keep having double portion altar calls. I ain't got no help in the room. We believe if somebody lays hands on me, I can walk in the parking lot and walk away with a double portion. But the truth of the matter is, listen to me closely, all of our destiny moments are the direct result of something called volition. In other words, it's called choice. It's called how we respond to the moments, the decisions we make in the opportunity 
determine what the outcomes become. I may have an outcome to want a happy marriage, but how many of you know I got to make some decisions if I'm going to receive the outcome I want? I may want an outcome of having a successful retirement, but I'm going to have to make some decisions when I'm 40 if I want to do that when I'm 65. I ain't got no help. I may want an outcome of being a really spiritual person who is an influencer in my generation, but I have to make some decisions in the process of my journey if I want that to become a reality. And the reason God gave people choice, the Lord said to me yesterday, I was praying, and he said to me, he said, I, I would love it if people would quit wanting what they want and started wanting what I wanted for them. I'm going to try that again. What would happen in your life if you quit just asking God for what you want and started asking God to give you what he wanted for you? See, I don't know about you, but I choose to receive and believe for whatever he says I'm supposed to have. If he says I'm supposed to have peace, then I'm going to take peace. If he says I'm supposed to have joy, I'll take joy. If he says I'm supposed to be an overcomer, I'll take an overcomer. Come on. If he says chaos shouldn't be a part of my life, I'm not going to keep putting myself in the midst of chaos. If he says that unholiness is not going to cause me to become the person I'm supposed to be, I'm going to remove myself from unholy situations. I ain't got no help because I want the outcome that I've been desiring. And in order to do it, I got to make the choices or the responses along the way that's why when people say bishop do you believe my life will make a difference I want to say to them it's too early to tell how many of you know when you're 20 and somebody says you have potential you ought to you ought to stand up and glow you ought to go wow somebody sees something in me I don't see in myself But how many of you know if you're 40 and somebody's looking at you going, you got potential. That ought to be a major motivator. (laughs) But if you're 60 and they're still just looking at you going, you got potential. You need to find a closet and weep. Because that means for 40 years you've probably done nothing with what you have. And the reason, listen to me closely, the reason God gave man choice is because volition or choice always reveals priority. What you choose reveals what you prioritize. If he didn't want them To have choice. How many of you know in the garden he could have removed the tree he didn't want them to eat from? He could have just put the one tree in the garden. But he left two. Why? So that they could determine priorities. If you don't have a choice, then you only have an only. And if you only have an only, you can never have a first. So God can never be first if you don't have a choice. I ain't got no help. I realize this is good today. Hallelujah. Because every time God shows up in your life and creates an intersection where you get an opportunity to choose, what you're choosing for is not the moment you're choosing for the outcome. 
I don't, I'm not even feeling no love right now. How many of you know we have been so sensitized to live for the immediate that we forget the outcomes we want and we begin to make choices that satisfy me for the moment but will not get me to the thing that I've been believing for. And then I get halfway down that trail and wonder why my life's a wreck and wonder why I need to turn around and go back and make some adjustments. How many of you are glad that his grace can get you back on track? But how many of you know his grace can keep you from never getting off track if you learn to listen to his voice and seek his face? I wish I had some help in the building. You don't change the outcome of your life by simply just changing geography. You change the outcome of your life by your responses to God's moments. Because in your response to those moments, you realign and you recalibrate and you reshape your life from the inside out. Let's look at this story. Can, we go, can I go a little deeper? How many of you know that Elijah is probably the most well-known figure in the Old Testament? He is the prophet that is spoken about even by other prophets, and he was spoken of in the New Testament because they said that John would come in the spirit of Elijah, that the anointing that was on him would be resident even in the New Testament people. But Elijah, please listen to me closely. Elijah, prior to 1 Kings 19, Elijah had just come out of a deep depression. Yeah, yeah. Elijah had prayed a prayer God refused to answer. Right. Some of you ought to thank God God didn't answer some of your prayers. Because let me tell you what he prayed. He prayed, Lord... Let me die. And God said, I'm not paying attention to you. Because right now you're making a wrong choice that will not give the outcome that I've ordained for your life. And in his deep depression, God began to speak to him. And he spoke to him, not in a huge fanfare. He spoke to him with a voice on the inside. And he said to him this, because Elijah had been the prophet primarily of judgment and destruction. Almost everything that Elijah did as a prophet, he tore something up. If he came to town, everybody got afraid. He, he, listen, he took a sword and killed 450 prophets of Baal. I don't think you'd want Elijah to be your pastor. He'd cut you up and believe that God raised you up. But Elijah had a place to play because Israel was living in a backslidden condition. So God used him to call them back to him. But God was about to shift into a different season. But he told Elijah this. Watch this. He told Elijah, you have been extremely successful as a prophet. But you will not have success if you don't have a successor. Because there is no success without a successor. There are people that have raised up incredible marriages, but never knew how to multiply them to another generation. And everybody came after them lived in chaos. 
There are people that have pastored incredible churches. And when they left, it fell apart. Because they believed their success could give the outcome for generations. And he said, Elijah, there is no success without a successor. In other words, you got to take what you have and you got to pour it into somebody else. Hmm? And so now all of a sudden, Elijah realizes I have a greater purpose than just confronting the prophets of Baal. How many of you know, listen to me closely, how many of you know it's a lot easier to show up and confront everything that is against God than it is to find somebody and pour your life into them? You can have a march against whatever. March against the Democrats, march against the Republicans. You can have a march against race. You can have a march against abortion. And thousands of Christians will show up. And I want to look at those people and say, if you are a believer in life, then whose life are you pouring yourself into? Because anybody can march. But if we're going to have long-term success, we got to find out how to encounter the people God's emerging. I believe God's raising an emerging generation of people. You say, Bishop, does that mean that, that older folks are not important? Please, listen, I am in that crowd. Don't, don't do that to me. Come on. huh? I, I, I don't, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying our responsibility is different. Our responsibility now is to help other people become the success that God intended for them to have so that God can get the outcomes that he has desired all along. Can I tell you something? God doesn't want the gay church just to have five years of great success. He doesn't want us to reach 5,000 people, take pictures, and put it in an annual somewhere and say, wasn't that a wonderful time? No, that is a failure. If 20 years from now, there's not still five or 10,000 people here. God is looking for people who will say, I will be the bridge between generations, and I will recognize that raising up successing generations coming after me is a part of who God intended me to be. That's why I've set my heart to seek the face of God. If not, we yield to a culture that makes everything about us. Why are you in church today? I came to get my blessing. Well, you did that last year. How many years you got to come and get your blessing? What year did you decide to come in and say, I'm going to be a blessing? If somebody on my row has cancer today, I'm going to worship so the power of God will flow three people down and touch them where they're at. Who in the room will say, I'll pray for them until they get up out of their pit of destruction because I believe that God is raising up generations. Somebody said, well, the future be bright. It's too soon to tell. See, I've walked through all the churches in Europe that one day were packed. I stood in Metropolitan Baptist Church where Charles Spurgeon preached to 5,000 people five times on Sunday. His sermons were so powerful that the London Times 
put his sermon as the lead story every Monday morning in the London Times. And today, they give tours. In 1999, Charisma Magazine listed the top 10 churches that were going to affect the 21st century. Some of them ran 15, 17,000, 10,000 television ministries, worldwide impact. Today, we've got through two decades. Today, four of the top 10. 40% closed they don't exist I'm not talking about their decline they don't exist I'm talking about a church one of them I'm, I'm very personally acquainted with who took in 80 million a year in tithes and offerings and 20 years later it doesn't exist why because there is no success without successors. That's why every father in this room ought to be thinking about your children. That's why every mother in the room in the room ought to be thinking about your children. Because I can guarantee you that a children's pastor in 45 minutes in the back room cannot build successors out of your kids. I don't care how much potential is in them. The potential will never be revealed until the process is embraced. I'm tired of losing a generation of people. I'm tired of watching Pentecostal kids raised up in this house and raised up in other Pentecostal churches and because of all kinds of church craziness and church trouble and people acting the fool today, all of our kids are somewhere else. Many of them not serving God. I say it's time to draw a line in the sand. I say it's time to say we are not going to lose another generation. We are going to be the Elijahs of God who will find the Elishas of God and say there is an outpouring that has been appropriated for your generation. I wish somebody in the room would help me. It's bigger than you and I. Elisha. The Bible says he was the son of Shaphat. That's important information that the Holy Spirit put in the Bible. Shaphat was a wealthy landowner. Elisha came from a very wealthy family. We know that because he actually was the foreman of their agricultural enterprise. They had 12 yokes of oxen. Most people in his culture, if they were lucky, had one yoke of oxen. Most hoed. So the very fact that they had 12 revealed the fact that he was very prosperous. But from Elijah's perspective, you ever felt like my life don't ever change? Nothing changes. I got a good job. I got a nice house. But nothing ever changes. Let me tell you what Elisha's, let me tell you what Elisha's viewpoint was every day. Put, the, put that picture on the screen for me. That's it right there. Monday, 
the back end of an ox. Tuesday, the back end of an ox. Thursday, how many of you know it came with all the residue too? Bath and Body Works had the whole aroma, everything. <laughs> there are people, the Holy Spirit said to me, there are people in this room that your life is like that picture. Every day you feel like all I do is keep following a dumb ox. But there's more in me. There's something in me that's talking to me that this has got to be a different season. This has got to be a different time. This has got to be a time when I step up and activate what is on the inside of me. There are people in this room, listen to me closely. God spoke this word to me. He said, you're frustrated, but you're frustrated over things you already possess. But you don't even know you possess them because you've never started doing what you can do to find out what you can't do. It's inside of you dormant, and that's why it's pushing on you. That's why it's talking to you. Because you are tired of living a life of following Dumb ox. There are young people in this room. God's got, God's got incredible things for you. I heard, I heard a young girl say recently, place I was, she said, uh, somebody looked at her when I stand in their midst and said, you know what, she's like 25 years old. She said, uh, they looked at her and said, you know what, you're going to make an incredible wife one day. And she looked back and said, I would have loved to have been an incredible wife two years ago. But I go to a church full of passive men who ain't got the courage to even know how to talk to a girl and develop a friendship. They're afraid to go get a cup of coffee at Starbucks. And so I may end up being an old widow because there ain't no Christian boys that have got enough courage to know how to make the moment happen and step into the moment. That's why some of you are home alone. They named a movie after you call Home Alone. And it's because you cannot get the courage to step into a divine moment and do what you need to do. I'm going to preach today whether you like it or not. I went to some people in the room and said, you've been, you've been going together for seven years. How long does it take you to get married? If you don't love her, let her go. If you love her, put a ring on her finger and let's get on across the board. you're scared tell the truth shame the devil she scares me to death but I'm going to take a step I walk around this church and I look there are incredible young women in this room and I'm thinking where are these men Where, where are these men at over in a prayer closet somewhere praying for God to do something. Listen, he ain't going to drop no angel out of the sky. You got to walk around with your eyes open and say, whoa, look at God's creation right there. Maybe I need to pass by that field.
This ain't a marriage series, but I feel good about it. the foreman I didn't see that before there's a quarter right there somebody come put a quarter on the stage huh? man I watch those guys on television they throw they throw paper money on the stage I got a I got a quarter somebody's sewing into my anointing Watch this. Here's the key. The Bible says that the old guy, Elijah, came down into the field where the young guy, here's the first point you've got to see. I'm going to begin to head home, but watch this. The Bible says, and Elisha was plowing. You say, well, I'm waiting on the rest. No, no, that is the point. Elisha was plowing. Here's what I came to tell somebody. You must learn to be faithful and to give your best where you are. Maybe the hard ground that you're experiencing in your life is not the devil. Maybe it's ground you've never plowed. Maybe that field can really be cultivated and germinate and produce something that would amaze you. But if you never plow it, you won't know what's in it. And you won't know what potential it has. Am I helping anybody? Sometimes we believe our life is going nowhere. But I'm, to, I'm here to announce prophetically 2020 will not be like 2019. But in order for 2020 to not be like 2019, you got to get active. Come on, there got to be a time in your life that you get up off your blessed assurance and you say, I am going to get involved and be active with what's on the inside of me. If I don't have anything but a smile, I'm going to give it away. If I don't have anything but a good morning, I'm going to say something. If I can't do anything but show up, I'm going to show up because I'm going to activate what's on the inside of me. And God will bring me to the desired end of what he has. Come on, if I'm doing all right, somebody shout to the Lord. You say, why should I keep plowing? Here's why. Because if nobody else sees you, God does. You got to be willing to plow in obscurity. You got to be willing to work your things that you, God's put in you when nobody is celebrating and clapping. Because your uh, desired outcome is not popularity. Your desired outcome is not fame. Your desired outcome is that you become significant and live the purpose of God for which you were born. That means if nobody sends me a note this week, I'm going to do the will of God. If nobody claps and calls my name, I'm going to show up and activate what's on the inside 
of me. And Elisha had every right to be entitled. I watch people who believe because they've been in church a long time, they're entitled now, they don't have to do anything. Well, I'm, 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 I did my part now, man. Now I'm going to turn it over to the young people. I wish there's such a thing as a holy slap beside a holy cleanse because I, I would feel anointed to use it. What are you talking about? If you retired from your job, how many of you know now you've got more time you've ever had in your life? And that's not so you can sit and watch Good Morning America and Today and Rachel Ray and find out how to cook. And Come on, how many of you know that's so you can give your life away helping somebody coming after you so you can do things you've never done before? Elisha had every reason. He was a wealthy, rich kid. Plowing in a field that he knew one day was going to be his. But he said, there's something else in me. There's something more in me. I'm not content to have a good salary and a good house. God's got a desired outcome for my life. Listen to me, I'm not calling you to preach. I'm not calling you to a platform or a microphone. I'm calling you to purpose. I'm calling you to destiny. Some people in this room will do more to affect people one-on-one at a restaurant than some preachers will ever do from a platform. Sitting across a breakfast table with another man, talking to him about his life, helping him navigate the arenas of things he don't understand and getting the chaos out of his life. If you've been healed, then be a wounded healer. Be a healed healer. Come find somebody that's wounded and say, you know what? I had that wound one time, but God taught me how to get healed. God taught me how to overcome. God taught me how to live in victory. Let me help you. Come on. Follow me. I'll help you walk your way out of that chaos and out of that bitterness and out of that hurt and out of that marriage that's on the rocks. Elisha had it all. He had it all. But God saw him plowing. Some of you have been leading a connection group for three years and you're thinking, does anybody care? I've been opening my home every two weeks for three years. A few people come, people come, 10, 15 people come. Nobody's ever acknowledged me. Does anybody? Does, let me tell you who watches. God. God. God watched. Just plowing. Just plowing. My scenery ain't changed. My aroma ain't changed. But I'm plowing. And the reason I'm plowing is because I want to be in position when God's opportunity comes. Please don't miss what I'm about to say. I've been doing this a long time. And one of the things I found out, you can't activate people 
And you can't activate the gifts inside of people who are not active. I found out a long time ago, if the horse is dead, dismount. Dismount. Don't sit there and take pictures. We're believing for a resurrection. No, no, get up, dog. Hold on. Stop it. Because here's the second thing I want to say, and I'll be out of your way. Is that if, if 2020 and 21 and 22 are going to be different, then there's going to have to be a discerning moment in your life when you recognize God's opportunity. When you recognize God's opportunity. Listen, opportunities do not come to you dressed up like billboards. Most of the time they come dressed up like work. But if you discern it for what it is, it moves you into a desired outcome that you've been believing for. Do you realize Elijah left being a foreman and the Bible says he became, Elisha left being a foreman and became Elijah's servant. One translation says he poured water over his hands. One theologian says what that means is he carried his bedpan out and washed his hands after he got done. See, everybody just quit right there. Nobody nobody wants a double portion now. Come on, how many of you know there's a lot of people who serve for 30 days? He did it for 10 years. And Elijah didn't tell him at the end of 10 years you're going to get a double portion. Elijah just looked at him and said, it's too soon to tell. We We don't know what you're going to get. How many of you know, even if you're sick, you've got family members that come see you for a week. You have an extended illness, and sooner or later, it'd be like a month. You ain't never heard from them. Why? Because we are the generation of quick fixes. We love quick fixes. Get it done. Now, please, hold, please buckle up, because I know the next five minutes I'm going to offend some folks, but it's okay. I prayed I'm ready. I'm really trying to help some people. That's my heart. My heart is really to help. I'm telling you, I walked the floors of this church this week, and I said, God, there's potential sitting on pews everywhere that can affect Oklahoma City, touch the nation, and touch the world. Help me to stir it. So the Bible says Elisha was plowing. He wasn't even searching Google for double portion anointing meetings. Maybe I can ride to Tulsa and get that. No, he wasn't. He was just. And the Bible says that Elijah, watch this. Do we have one of those cloths anywhere? I don't know if we have them anymore. 
Wait a minute more. There you are, right there. Hit me the cloth right there. Somebody said, what's that for? That's in case of emergencies. Right here. The Bible says, uh, run up here, Jordan. Come, come help me real quick. The Bible says, just, just be plowing, following your ox. That's not me now. I, I'm, not, I'm not your ox. You, that's, your, that's, your, that's what you're doing. I wanted to clarify that lest I get another quarter. Listen. And the Bible says, watch this, the Bible says that Elisha walked by, threw his mantle over him, and passed by, and passed by. Listen, listen, listen. At that moment, God had made his decision, but Elisha had not. God had said, I choose you. Now what do you choose? And he passed on. I, I got I to tell you this. Listen, I, I'm 62, be 63 years old. I, I don't have time to chase people and try to convince them that God's chosen them. I am wore out trying to run saints around trying to convince them that God wants to do something in their life. If you don't believe God's for you and that God wants to work in you, then you're just going to have to go on to Brahms and get you an ice cream sundae and wait for the rapture to come. I'm looking for those people who don't have to be chased. They don't have to be convinced. They don't have to be talked into it every week. We don't have to send a text to them every Sunday to make sure they're in the house of God. Will you please come to church? Will you please serve? Will you please do the will of God? I'm looking for somebody who said there's something in me that God has chosen for this generation and I choose what God chose. Amen. Don't go anywhere, Elijah. What's this? His mantle was the call. He extended it to another generation. Did you get a quarter too? You got two quarters. And we'll keep on plowing. I feel the blessing of the Lord. If anybody has a hundred thousand dollar check, let the Lord use you. Let the Lord use you. And the Bible says he passed by. Obviously, standing behind that plow, something woke up 
in Elisha. Because he came running to Elijah. He left his plow. He came running to Elijah. And he said, let me go kiss my mom and dad. And then I'll come. And watch what, this this is where most people would have went back to their plow. Elijah looked at him and said, I didn't choose you. What have I got to do with you? If you want to go back home, go back home. If you don't accept the call, there's another field somewhere. And there's another Elisha plowing somewhere because God has a desired outcome. See, I wonder how many times we've said, God, man, I'll do that this year if you let me get first three months, let me get some things straight. Let me get this worked out. But see, what happened is that when Elijah passed by, it created urgency in Elisha. I wonder how many people in this room are feeling urgency today. There's, there's something about I can't let this year be like last year. I can't spend another decade. I can't waste any more time. I can't, I can't waste any more time not being serious about my prayer life. I can't waste any more days letting my marriage be mediocre. I can't waste any more time about finishing school. I got to get done what God has called me to do so I can get to the desired outcome. I cannot waste another year. I sense some urgency. And watch this. Come on to the keys. Listen. Come on, Ben. Listen. And Elisha said, Elijah said to Elisha, you do what you want to do. Here's why. Your preacher, your prophet, Your apostle, your bishop can never make that choice for you. I can tell you God chose you. But at that moment you're in an intersection. And there's a lot of people have discerned opportunities but didn't plow they kept waiting on the big break oh you threw your mantle over me does that mean I can go now to do what you did no 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 when I threw my mantle over you I recognized potential Potential can only be realized when process is embraced. And the Bible says that Elisha took and he didn't go back to kiss his mom and dad. The Bible says he went back to his plow and his oxen. It wasn't even his plow, it was his daddy's plow. I mean, you know, his daddy probably thought, boy, if you want to do something, don't, don't be burning my plow. But the Bible says he went back and he
he slaughtered the oxen. He took the plow and built the fire. And he started boiling water. I was in here Friday night and the Holy Spirit said to me, Can you smell boiling water? I smell boiling water all over the house. There are people that are about to boil some things from their previous days that are not going to go with them into their future. There are some things that you spent your whole life serving that you're about to put on an altar and you're going to say, that is my past, it is not my future. There are some attitudes, there are some opinions, there are some feelings, there are some hurt things that you're going to say, I'm boiling my ox, I'm not going to spend my life serving it another the day let me tell you what didn't happen he didn't go from plowing to holding crusades he didn't go from plowing to walking in a double portion he didn't go from plowing to fame what he did do is he went from plowing to leave a family business and not know what the future was going to be like but he was willing to trust God with everything he had he went from being a foreman to being a servant I wonder in the room today if there are people who are willing to say God, I don't know what the future is, but I am willing to begin to burn my plows and boil my oxen because you have an outcome that I desire in my life. Come on, if that's you, get on your feet all over the building. Stan, listen, listen. Don't you know that everybody else in that field looked at him and said, Elisha, what are you doing? Boy, you better use some common sense. Your dad is one of the wealthiest men in this region. You're about to inherit a family business. You better use some common sense. So I want to say to you, you can live by your common sense or you can live by spirit sense. Common sense won't tell you to lift a rod up and believe that a red seal part. But spirit sense will. Common sense won't tell you to shout at walls and believe they'll fall down. Common sense don't believe that 90-year-old women should believe they're going to have a baby. But spirit sense, when they recognize a divine moment and a divine opportunity... Common sense says a virgin can't have a baby. But when the Holy Spirit overshadows you in a divine moment, you just say, I don't even know what it means, but be it done unto me according to your will. See, common sense tells me that our nation ain't going to get no better. But spirit sense tells me we're about to have a 10-year awakening. Because the church is about to roar. Because people are going to become involved in God's outcome. They're going to want what he wants for them. Common sense says you can't pay off what we owe on 34 acres. In the next two years, it's over $3 million. Or $3 million. That's everything. That's child development centers. That's everything. That's gymnasiums. We have, we have almost 15, 16 million dollars worth of assets. We only owe three million dollars. And I heard the Lord say, common sense tells you you can't pay that off in two years, but spirit sense says you can. 
Somebody's going to write $100,000 checks. I, was, I said that a while ago, but somebody's going to write $100,000 checks. I said to God, I said, God, I'm believing you for $4 million every year in this church in general income. And then I'm believing you for $3 million to pay off every debt. Somebody ought to get an agreement with me. I don't want to hand the next generation what was handed to me. I don't want to hand the next generation hundreds of thousands of dollars in arrears and bills and mortgages. I don't want to hand the next generation and the next leader of this house where he can't get a paycheck. Kathy and I did that for two years. I'm going to hand them something that's going to have a desired outcome. Somebody going to help me. Because this is not going to be a flash in the pan. This thing, I'm telling you, 20 years from now, the gate church is going to be going and blowing and affecting not only Oklahoma City, but it's going to be touching the ends of the earth. Somebody in the room ought to get in agreement with me. You say, how's that going to happen? Because we're going to be sending men and women. We're going to be sending young men and young women, older men and older women. There's going to be people raised up in this house. Do you know what? There are athletes in this house that God is about to put on the fast track. And God's going to bless them super naturally they don't even know what the future holds but because they're going to be willing to do it God's way say Bishop what will my life be like at the end of 2020 it's too soon to tell you say but I got a promise I know you do But you also have a process. If you don't embrace the process, the promise can never be revealed. All across this room this morning, I want to pray for people. I wonder how many people in this room need to say, Bishop, I need to start boiling some water. I need to start boiling some water. I got to get some water boiling. There's some things from my past I don't need to take into my future. There's some things I've been chasing that I don't need to chase another day. I need to prioritize some things different. I feel a fire burning. Water's boiling. I'll never forget the day God talked to me and said, will you burn your plows? and boil your water. I'd led to one of the top 20 fastest growing churches in the denomination I was in. The Lord said to me, I'm calling you out to do something different. They offered me a church running almost 3,000 people. This was in 1989. Making well into six figures. Superintendent looked at me and he said, you're a rising star. Your voice will be heard all over America. But I went to my prayer closet. And I said, I know I have an inheritance in that field. But I have an appointment with destiny. 
in this prayer field. And the Lord said to me, will you burn your plows and boil your ox? You say, Bishop, you're really asking a hard thing. Do you know what? When Elisha said to Elijah, what, Elijah said, what do you want? What's your desired outcome? He said, I want a double portion of what you have. And Elijah looked back at him and said, you ask a hard thing. But if you see me when I go, in other words, if you can handle the process, you'll receive the desired outcome that you've been looking for. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name. All over this room today, Holy Spirit, I've done what you sent me to do. I ask you to speak to people in this room. There are men and women in this room that know you, they love you, they're in relationship with you, but you're asking them to take another step. Lord, you're asking them to burn plows and boil ox. You're asking them to start boiling water. And the transition and change is not easy. You've asked a hard thing. But the outcome is so much incredible. So incredible compared to where we're at. Lord, let us see the big picture and not the moment. Not the moment. Speak to hearts all over this room. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just before I go today, two things I'm going to do. You don't buy your place in the kingdom. See, the key for us today is will we choose to want what he wants for us? He did the initiation. He said, I want you. I have a plan for you. I want to work in your life. I want to make your life significant. I want you to live in peace, joy. I want you to experience my goodness. But the question is, will you choose to want what he 